The human brain has four lobes, the frontal lobe, the parietal lobe, the temporal lobe, and the occipital lobe. And our emotions exist in the brain's temporal lobe, inside the limbic system, with the amygdala at the center. And here is where our brain processes hormones and releases our emotions, such as fear, anger, desire, and love. Now, love. This is associated with an increase in the neurotransmitters, two of them, oxytocin and vasopressin in the brain. Now, oxytocin is called the love hormone, and it acts as a powerful hormone, a powerful neurotransmitter inside of our brain. Now, when a person gets angry, our brain causes our bodies to release stress hormones, adrenaline, and neuroadrenaline. Now, these chemicals, what they do is they help the body control our heart rate and our blood pressure. I'll give you a couple definitions here. Bad. Bad is considered a poor quality low standard. Examples of bad diet. Or another part of that definition, substandard, poor, inferior, second rate, something not to be hoped for or desired, unpleasant or unwelcome. Romance is exciting, enjoyable love affair, especially might be one that is not serious or long lasting. Examples that the dictionary gave is a summer romance, or romances. Now, our job, or our career, or our leadership was a romance. If it was a romance, would it be a good romance, long-lasting romance, short romance, a good one or a bad one? And most of us enter into relationships looking for hope, looking for change, and looking to make a difference. But to be a leader, you have to be able to enter into possibly a bad romance. And maybe the bad romance is the one that will be the longest lasting romance, or maybe not. But we have bad romances. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson, and this is my experience. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a man of faith driven by curiosity and making efforts to be empathetic and compassionate. I'm here today to have a conversation with you, with you, about the past, the present, and the future, with the hope that all of us will leave today ready to listen to our hearts, what's inside of us, and bring forth the contributions we wish to make at a local, national level. And global level. Now today I'm going to start looking at the music of Lady Gaga and the leadership lessons we can learn from it. Bad Romance. It's a song by American singer Lady Gaga and it came from her third album, The Fame Monster. And Gaga was talking about in this song, according to her, her attraction to individuals with whom romance never works, and her preference for lonely relationships 
and the paranoia she experienced while out on tour. And what she said in an interview was the song was one of her efforts. When she wrote it in 2009, she was touring. And she said that there were various abstract monsters. And she said this was a metaphor for her own paranoia that she experienced while she was touring. And one of these things that she talked about that became the inspiration behind Bad Romance, she said that she felt lonely when she was involved in a relationship and that she was also attracted to men with whom romance never works. So in the song Bad Romance, she was looking at her preference for lonely relationships and also her own poor choice in men. So she wrote these lyrics on a bus in Norway. And she talked about the writing process more of this song in an interview. So it's sort of like this sort of deep work that we need to do as a leadership. As a leader, as an employee, and as a person, she's looking at her choices and her decision making. Why do I like lonely relationships? And why do I choose bad men? Now, is this a value judgment assigned to it? I don't know. I'm not going to adjudicate Lady Gaga and her choices, but the point of it is, is this. You can make poor choices if you're the only one getting injured. But what about making poor choices and poor decisions that impact other people? How does this weigh into our leadership? Or should it weigh into our leadership at all? When we're doing our, our emotional labor, our deep work, and how do we consider the impact of our emotional labor, the impact of our deep work on the people that we are around on a daily basis? The Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of of others. Now here's the dynamic going on here. We're working in teams, we're working in community. We have to take care of ourselves, but we have to also take care of other people. And here is the combination, the combustion. Well, how do we measure selfish ambition or conceit? And how do we care for others and also care for ourselves? Or should we? Should we even have that conversation? I don't know figuring it out as we go along. But let me look at some of the lyrics. I want your love. I want your revenge. You and me could have a bad romance. I want your love and all your lover's revenge. You and me could write a bad romance. Now, what we look at here, there is an offer. There is an offer of a bad romance. There is an assessment of a personality. And after that assessment of the personality is done, the author comes to the conclusion, maybe we could partner together. But to have a bad romance. So, if you're on the receiving end of this assessment, this evaluation, do you want to enter into a bad romance? Well, there's an offer. But when there's an offer, there also needs to be an agreement. Who is this about? And is this relationship beneficial for everyone? 
as a leader, when you decide, when you look and you evaluate and you decide you want to make a decision, is your decision beneficial for everyone? Harriet Jacobs was born into slavery in 1813, and she was taught to read by a woman who owned her. Then the woman died, and Jacobs was left with a relative of the woman who owned her. And that relative was far worse than her original owner. In fact, as a teenager, this owner made sexual advances on her. Finally, she was able to escape, but she couldn't get very far. She got to a house of her grandmother who had been set free many years earlier. And Jacob spent seven years hiding in an attic. She experienced health problems that were generated because she was confined in an attic. And finally, her family found a captain of a ship who would take her north, would have to smuggle her north. Now, she did manage to get to New York, and she found work as a domestic servant. But still, it wasn't safe because there were slave trackers, slave catchers, And the slave catchers got their power and their license to come north because of the fugitive slave law. And then she moved again to Massachusetts and she changed her name to Linda Brent and wrote a memoir called Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl written by herself. So here was Harriet Jacobs. We could call her a survivor. Horrible conditions that she had to live through. No advocacy. No, nobody saying that they believed in her, that they wanted her to succeed. Who would ever conceive of her becoming an author, pinning a book, and then selling a book? And then us, hundreds of years later, remembering that talking about that book. The book is historical. So we figured out that enslaving people against their will is a bad thing. But we also see in the story of Harriet Jacobs, this incident, many incidents of unwanted sexual advances. And we still have a problem with that today in our workplace. We talk about women being harassed at work. And we see evidence of women being harassed at work. And what do you do? Well, we make a policy. We have some people watch some videos. We sign a form. We check it off. Think everything is okay. And, and, and on one level, okay, we brought awareness to the situation. But when you think about the term survivor, that's a person who's currently walking through their place of employment with 
some intense trauma hanging over their head. And they're there to work, support their family, to, to pursue a dream or a goal. So as a leader, when you, you look across, you look out at your people you lead, people you work with, people on your team, when you are picking a position for somebody, are you putting yourself into the best fit for them? Are you putting themselves in the best fit for their talent, their skills, and their ability? And are you considering what they have been through? Or on the flip side, do you only find people who will put you in the best position to succeed? That will advance your career, that will help you climb the ladder faster writing your own press releases, as an example. Charting your course in a myopic way without taking into consideration other people. Now, if you only see the world through the prism of your plans and your systems, then I would argue that you are more on the side of vain conceit and selfish ambition than you are on the side of others. Well, you may say we all need to be held accountable and our workers need to be held accountable, but the marketplace should hold you accountable. Let's say, for instance, in a workplace, And I always see this all the time. There is a phone call from somebody with a survey. Or there's an employee who's working at a restaurant or retail location. And they may perform poor customer service. And the survey is usually directed towards improving customer service. And we want to hold the retail clerk or the cashier or the phone operator accountable for bad customer service. But should we? Who put that person into that position to give poor customer service? In fact, is poor customer service structured? Let's take, for example, you get a phone call from somebody and they're reading a script. And your answers simply don't fit the script. But the customer can't, the customer may not fit the script, but the employee can't deviate from the script because if the employee deviates from the script, then the employee will get in trouble. So, what incentive does the employee have to deviate from the script? So, whose fault is that? When the customer gets upset because the script is ridiculous, where is the person who wrote the script? Well, they're not on the phone. You ask to speak to them, they're hiding somewhere. They even have a script for that because people will ask to speak to a supervisor and then you can't speak to a supervisor. So you're never held accountable for your poor decisions. And that, I think, is wrong. As a leader, you should be out there at least to be held accountable for your poor decisions 
or poor customer service and don't hide behind a survey. Surveys aren't leadership. Leadership is being out there with the people. You can delegate. But when you delegate, resource a person to be successful. Resource people so they can be successful. You see, as a leader, we need to own the good and we need to own the bad. We can't own the good, celebrate the good, and then blame the bad on other people. And we hide ourselves from it, right? People are going to say bad things about you. Now, as a leader, you can control what you say and how you carry yourself. But as a leader, we also can't control or have the expectation of how people are going to respond. And we need to either evaluate or we can walk on, move forward. But what we can do as a leader is we can make the decision that we're not going to make it hard on people. And how do we not make things hard on people? Well, shaming people makes it hard on people. Rape and sexual assault makes it hard on people. Being insensitive to people who have experienced it is harmful to people. It is. Regardless of your opinion on the issue, it doesn't deny the fact that somebody had something inside of them broken. A survivor definition. The remainder of a group of people or things or a person who copes well with difficulties in their life. Groups of people who remain from a tragic or a traumatic event are a person who copes well with the difficulties in their lives. Now, you can't erase the difficulties that happened in people's lives, and, and we wish we could. We wish those experiences never had happened. I can think of traumatic events in my life, and I sit back, and I don't look at the traumatic events that are in my life, and I go, gosh, those traumatic events in my life made me into a great person and I desired those events. I don't. They were the worst events that ever occurred in my life and I wish they never would have happened. But I had to learn how to cope with them and I had to learn how to move forward in them. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Decide if you're going to be a unicycle leader or a bicycle leader. A bicycle takes two wheels, right? A leader and the person who's following, the member, the teammate. A unicycle is just one person rolling along without a care in the world, only for themselves. And I'm going to look at it this way. Some people may measure vain or selfish ambition or conceit by looking at a person and evaluating them based upon what they wear, you know, their dress. Wow, that makes them conceited. Or, or what they believe. They ascribe to certain belief systems that you may not disagree with. Whom they marry or what they read or what they watch. How they even talk sometimes. But I would say... 
Vain conceit and selfish ambition can be measured and seen by how you treat people. A leader will look around the workplace and will say this. Let's imagine this scenario for a second. You've got a person who is a talented individual but may have been through something. So what would make your workplace better, more profitable, because what everybody wants is more profit? Would another conference make the situation better? Would a stipend for your own car or your vehicle? Well, how about the leader deciding to go, instead of going to a conference, maybe that leader should read a book or maybe that leader should take an online course that is free. And maybe the money that we have, maybe use that for employee wellness. Maybe sending somebody else other than your leadership team to conferences. So that people can get taken care of throughout the organization. See, a leader can take care of themselves. But the leader also needs to take care of others. So in an organization, instead of falling backwards into traps, make the decision to fall upward into greatness. And greatness comes from helping others. This is Stephen Thompson, and this has been my experience. Now, this podcast is my contribution. It's my attempt to use my talents, my gifts, and my abilities for the benefit of others. And thank you so much for listening. And on the way out, I want you to remember this, that today is your day. This moment is your moment. It's a moment to reflect. It's a moment to be aware. Do this. Put your feet on the ground and feel what is underneath you. And then I want you to look up to the sky, and I want you to say thank you. And I want you to look forward. And look at your surroundings and be aware of what you have and what you can see. Now, move forward from that space. Go out today, create, heal, contribute, laugh, and love. And what I mean by heal, I mean if you need healing, then go and pursue that. And if you can help heal someone else go and pursue that as well we're all here together thank you